Hi, listeners. We have partnered with HYV Designs to bring you a discount on their store. Please go to etsy.com slash shop slash H-Y-V-D-E-S-I-G-N-S and use promo code SKT15 on checkout to get a 15% discount on their items. They have everything from King's Light the Beam memorabilia to BTS light sticks to Genshin Impact coasters and much more. Check out their store on Etsy.com and use promo code SKT15 on checkout to get a 15% discount. Link in the description. Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 358 of Sack King's Therapy. I am coming to you right after the Kings beat the Oklahoma City Thunder 128 to 123 in the Golden One Center. Uh, where to start with this one? I guess let's start with this. Uh, Fong is not here. Um, he is uh, unfortunately unavailable to record. And yeah, he actually didn't watch the game either. I don't think so uh anyways he, he won't you won't be hearing him uh this episode uh i will be hitting or yeah going off no sorry i'm looking at the golden state uh clippers uh score right now but yeah it, it'll be a solo episode today um so where to start uh with this game um De'Aaron fox scored 41 points he was absolutely sensational he real he hit a lot of like really big shots and just timely shots. I thought to really kind of keep the momentum going for the Kings. Um, and he did not get a very kind whistle. So let's kind of start there. So his counterpart uh, on the Oklahoma City Thunder, Shea Gilgis Alexander, scored forty three points uh, and nine assists and six rebounds. He was absolutely amazing it never ceases to amaze me when i watch shea gills alexander just be able to get to his spot and absolutely just dominate um on the scoring end like it's very few guys that have just genuinely been just amazed at like you literally throw everything at him and he still manages to get to his spot and he'll just make a shot that you think he's not gonna make you know, an absolute master in the mid-range, you know, just, you know, relentless going to the rim and just, yeah, you're, you're not gonna, you're just not gonna stop, stop him without like, you know, I mean, the Kings even tried to like really double him and everything. It just did not work out. But the main thing I want to talk about him is the, um, the amount of whistles he got. He ended up with 18 free throw attempts on the game, you know, um, De'Aaron ends up with 11, although two of them, I believe, were at the end of the game where uh, they play the foul game. But I'm not saying it, I'm not going to rag too much on the rest. I thought they were pretty bad throughout. It probably evened out because if you do look at the box score, the OKC did, did end up having actually more fouls. Uh, than the Kings, although you have to account for probably some of the intentional fouls at the end uh, to make it into a free throw game. I just thought the Kings really got an unfavorable whistle. And the fact that De'Aaron was able to just hit really, really timely shots, really, really kind of got them, got them to grind out a very, a pretty ugly win that, you know, really shouldn't have been as close as it was. But 
a lot of just the Kings just did not have a lot of luck this game with the refs. I'll just say that. I won't harp them too much, but but again, if you when you have a free throw disparity, um, you know, again, Shea Gilgis Alexander with 18 free throws and De'Aaron with um 11. It's just it's hard not to look at that and just kind of raise your eyebrow a little bit. Now the Kings ended up with 21 free throws total to the Thunder's 27. But again, you have to account for the free throw game at the end. So there was just a huge disparity there. And that was the main thing that was actually keeping OKC in the game because OKC did not shoot it well from three. They did not shoot it well from the field. Give credit to the Kings uh, defense for just crowding SGA as well as they can, you know, making it tough on him, not letting him go one-on-one too often. Like they would usually send a, send a double at him like one way or another. And SGA, like, he still got his points because he is just a force of nature. But the Kings did a very good job just, you know, doubling him, uh, you know, um, pretty often and just being able to rotate well enough and also just making the other guys beat the Kings. And OKC just was not up to it. Like, you look at the box score, Josh Giddy was their second, was their second, um, second leading scorer with 18 points, Lou Dort with 17 you know Shea with 43 there's just a huge disparity you know between the first and like the second uh scores and you know OKC is gonna have to you know find somebody just to kind of supplement him and you know they have all these draft picks at a certain point you're gonna have to send those draft picks to somewhere else to get him some help it's a bit let's just say I'll say this they're not that far away from being contenders they really are not um, as it stands right now, they need a second guy because, like, Giddy, like, he actually shot very well this game, like, you know, two for three, eight for 14. By the way, that dude got booed every time he touched the ball because of, you know, the situation he's in. I'm not going to dive into that. I'll just say this about, about it. Look, you know, understand that you're a rich athlete, you're famous, do do your due diligence i guess before you do any hookups like li- please run some sort of background check make sure all the checks are in place just oh man look keep it in your pants until you do that background check because my god um it's a you, you get into hairy you get into really tricky situations like this anyways um yeah so the kings did a good job of just doubling shay gilds alexander and holding him to only 43 points and yeah, they, they did a good job of just making other guys beat them. And OKC, they have a very versatile lineup. Like their their lineups are so interchangeable because like their offense is built in a way where everyone can be the point guard. Everyone can, you know, put pass, shoot, and dribble. Uh, shooting may, maybe not so much, but like they can th- they can physically shoot the ball. Whether they make it is a whole nother thing. But you know, they have a bunch of very versatile guys. And, you know, a lot of them are kind of the wing size, um, you know, with long arms, like they're around six, four to around six, you know, uh, nine, six, seven ish. The issue with that is that they're also very interchangeable in terms of when the other team guards them, because you had a lot of times where, you know, they, they double Shea. And, you know, the offense would kind of get into position to kind of try and abuse that double team. But then, you know, Case and Wallace, you know, all six, three of him, like ends up in the dunker spot and they can't abuse that that matchup because the offense is so interchangeable that, you know, anyone can play any position. But 
the, then reality hits you. Kaysen Wall is a 6'3". There's probably a guy who's just maybe, like maybe Sabonis is close to the rim and he Kaysen Wallace has no chance of finishing. Like that was just kind of the issue that OKC ran into. And again, the Kings just did a good job of, you know, doubling opportunistic doubles and just constantly doubling him, you know, added with, you know, decent enough on-ball pressure to just be able to, you know, just just grind out this win. And, you know, like that's, this is one of those games where I really did like, did really like what the Kings uh, defense did. They play with good physicality. They were kind of just, again, kind of screwed a little bit by just the, the unkind whistles, let's just say. And, you know, they, they could only play so physical. They got called for a lot of touch fouls, you know, and there was also a lot of like the rip through varieties to that really just annoys the hell out of me that that's still a foul. But, you know, they, they did, they did a good job of just adjusting and just being able to, you know, just being able to play, play through bullshit, if you will, I guess is how I will, I would describe it. Uh, let's get to some of the uh, individual players um, uh, to, on the Kings specifically. Like on the Thunder, I don't really have that much to say that I haven't said before. Like Lou Dort is an adventure on offense. Incredible defender, though. Uh, Jalen Williams had a rough game, two for 14. Uh, Chet Holmgren, he, he's just so skinny right now. And it's just it's just tough for him to do much um, it, it, right now. Like he's he's not going through anybody. He can go around guys, but you know he is seven one. He's not exactly like crazy quick. He's quick for his size, but in terms of like getting around, just like you know a wing like Keegan or a uh, Harrison, it's just not going to get it done because he, he has no real strength to. As soon as he like gets bumped, he kind of just gets thrown off his path, and it's very hard for him to you know be able to score around them. And then on defense, like he has no hope of guarding Sabonis. Sabonis is simply too strong, and I think Sabonis basically negated him pretty much the entire game by just getting into his body, and he simply was helpless. He did have a nice block um, on Sabonis where he he hit he hit a Sabonis's hand at one point, but that was his only block of the game. Like he was very much negated for a lot of the game. He'll he'll get there, don't you worry. But ultimately, like right now, he is just he is a he is a twig. He is a twig, and he just has no hope of guarding anyone with, you know, any strength, really. They just bump him off of spots, and, you know, he just, he was fine this game, I thought, but, like, yeah, he, he's got a lot of work to go, or he's got a lot of, a long way to go, but he will get there. I, I trust him. Jalen Williams, I think, um, the Arkansas one, uh, J-Dub, uh, I think he's just playing a little too fast right now. Um, he just needs to slow it down. The tools are there for him to be a very good player. And I, I was hoping to see more development that way. But right now, he he's just going a little too fast. Like, again, 2 for 14, just, you know, I just felt like he played rushed. And, it, you know, he'll, he'll get there at some point. But not a good game for him. Josh Giddy, uh, he got booed every time he, every time he touched the ball. Although, again, he did have a good game. I, I thought it was interesting that he didn't, like, I mean, he had four turnovers. And all of his turnovers were pretty bad. Like, there were basically passes just that got intercepted. There was an interesting point where I thought they were going to screen Shea with Giddy and then he would hit the short roll 
but they never they only did that once during the game and even when he got into those positions he kind of just turned the ball over you know he theoretically would be that kind of guy to be able to beat the trap because he's he's a good passer he can play the draymond role but it does kind of show you like that's where kind of draymond can be valuable um of just kind of dissecting the defense from the short roll and giddy wasn't really able to do it so he just wasn't all that effective <laughs> um I, although he did have two runs where he did have like two um periods like two short runs where he was kind of keeping the okc into the game or like shooting them back into the game so credit to him for doing that okay that's all i have really for the um uh, for the okc thunder let's get to some of the um let's get to some of the king's players um uh, keon had the game of his life he's probably getting dpog this game he guarded shea very well as well as anyone really could. And he got extended time on uh, Shea. You know, he used, he used his hands to pressure, and he did he did just decent enough of a job. Like, he, just like anyone else, got their hand cooking, caught in the cookie jar a few times. Um, and Keegan got into early foul trouble. So, yeah, Ke Keon got an extended run on him, and I just thought, I thought he did a really good job. But on top of that, you know, he can, he can defensive playmate. He's really the only consistent... A defensive playmaker on the team and he's just, he got a like he got a vertical block on Shea and then he got like this crazy intercept interception at half court where they trapped Shea and he was able to deflect the ball when he tried to pass it you know he's just really good on defense but then on offense he was absolutely amazing five of seven from three just fill just absolutely you know could not miss from three and you know the big adjustment from him shooting with confidence he was a three and d player in college like you know shoot you know when you catch that shit and you got some room go shoot that shit you're really good there and yeah it's good to see him be able to just have such a good game he was absolutely instrumental in in the king's in the king's victory just hitting like not only a lot of threes but also very timely threes in the same way that De'Aaron was able to hit a, a quite a few timely threes to kind of get the uh kings basically stop the bleeding um because like you know okc would close in on the lead and then like keon or De'Aaron or just really really anyone would just hit a three and it would just it would just deflate okc and you know it will keep them at bay so just a great game for him i i love the way keon is playing he's really taking the opportunity and he's gonna get he's gonna get a full roster spot by the end of the year we'll see how that goes you know a little update on that later um keegan he had a bit of a rough game uh struggled a lot with foul trouble but and also didn't hit a three this game but I thought this is where the evolution of Keegan uh, on offense. Now on defense, I thought he was fine, but he did get into foul trouble, so he didn't get a lot like a, a chance to really make his mark on that on that front. But his evolution on the offensive end this year is that he when his three isn't going down. Granted, he didn't take that many; he only took two. But he actually has the ability to go inside a little bit now. Like he went inside, drew some fouls. You know he he you know cut back door for you know easy layups for timely cuts and also like he had a really nice floater in crunch time so like it's an evolution of his game where you know when he wasn't hitting threes last year he more or less was kind of you know he wasn't affecting the game as much but now to see him just you know be able to find other ways to contribute other than just hitting the three that's a really refreshing sight so really just happy with his growth just finding ways to contribute i really like it um 
Okay, so let, let's get to Harrison Barnes. The, the stat line isn't great. Five points, uh, three rebounds. Two offensive rebounds, though, um, and two assists. He had a rough game where, like, in the first half, he wasn't really doing much. Um, you know, he, he missed some shots. And, all, like, all in all, didn't just didn't really do anything when he was out there. I think he did hit a three, which was good. But other than that, he was very much invisible out there. Mike Brown sat him for the entire second quarter. And then the third quarter starts, like, he was just off. I think he turned it over. And then um, there a few plays later, he just misses a dunk. Like, point blank, gets an offensive interference, and it just looked rough. And then basically, the um, at the about the six-minute mark, uh, him and Herter get benched because they just they just were off. Like they couldn't hit shots and they just really struggled to kind of make their mark out there. So he gets so he ends up getting benched. And then he comes in in the fourth quarter, and it's pretty clear that Mike Brown kind of just you know talked with him like this is what you need to do, and he was able to kind of turn it around a little bit. You know, not a lot on the box score, but like he had two big offensive rebounds, and you know. He he tried he tried his best to make his mark, and I thought he was fine down the stretch. Uh, there is a little bit of just you know he's he's not really a defensive playmaker. He is at this point he is literally just a body like a six eight body that you just put on someone, and you know he's not really gonna like be a, a like a lockdown defender. He's not gonna be an absolute sieve, but like it's really just he's gonna be a body that's gonna try to stay in front. Um, and he's not really going to block a shot. He's not really going to get any steals, but he's just a guy who just kind of is assigned to somebody. And there were moments where I'm just watching and like, he can't really keep Shea in front of him. And then like, you know, Chet just kind of shoots over him. But again, he's just kind of a body that just, that's just kind of there. And, you know, at some point he will, he will be able to make a play. I think like, I think Twitter is just a little too hard on him. Like King's Twitter has just been brutal on him, and he's not the scapegoat. Like, and had the Kings lost this, he he easily would have been the scapegoat for this game. But I just think, like, you know, there's there's a spot for a guy who's just you know smart, doesn't make too many mistakes, and I think he's earned the opportunity to try to play his way back in. But he's going to need to play better because it was not a great game for him. Although he was able to redeem it a little bit in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Um, let's see. Yeah, I already talked about Chet, and I talked about like Kings having to fight through just a lot of like what I thought was BS calls. The King, uh, OKC had two challenges in the fourth. The first one basically, De'Aaron like get um, OKC scores. De'Aaron gets the ball and kind of just does his does his like you know you know under like three second coast to coast. I thought he got fouled uh, on the drive. OKC challenges. On the replay, I think I thought like Chet got him in the head. Um, Jalen Williams had a forearm in his shoulder, uh, in his chest, and then Lou Dort. And Lou Dort does block it clean for the most part, but like you, they they go to the replay center and they say like Jalen Williams, you know, um, forearm is marginal contact, and that you know the blocks were clean. It's just like i thought there was a lot of other contact that could have been called but like for whatever reason it it got overturned and then like the second challenge that they had where chet was able to block sabonis from behind he now he clearly gets the hand but hand is part of ball so that's clean but i thought like jalen williams hit him on the hit him on the arm and like that wasn't called and it's just it was just one of those things where 
you don't want to, I don't ever want to call games rigged, but like it definitely felt like the Kings did not get any benefit of the doubt on, on just marginal calls, much, uh, much like how, or like, they, they weren't getting any marginal calls, and I thought OKC was getting a lot of them, particularly Shea, where Shea would just initiate contact and would immediately get, get the call, no matter, like, whether I thought, like, he initiate all the contact and, like, what is the defense supposed to do, you know, type thing. Just awful stuff. And there were some awful calls where, you know, like, the uh, guys were outside of the block charge circle um, that, you know, but, um, like, Trey Lau's – took a charge where he was clearly outside of the block char charge circle, but it got called a block. And then there was one where De'Aaron took two charges he, on one. He got bulldozed by Jalen Williams. And then on the second one, he takes, he takes a charge on Lou, on Lou Dort and somehow it gets called an and one. It, and then Mike Brown didn't have his challenge because um, he lost his challenge when he kind of impulsively challenged a, a call where basically, uh, Giddy strips uh, Keegan where he gets a lot of hand. Again, hand is part of ball. So I guess, and then it's out of bounds on Keegan. He, like Mike Brown lost that challenge, even though I like, I thought maybe it was a foul because like, does like, if you hit a that, if you hit a guy's hand that hard, like shouldn't it be a foul, but who knows? It, I just thought they didn't get a lot of benefit of the doubt, but you know, credit to the Kings for just fighting through it and just being, you know, strong, like resilient and just playing through it. And just being able to come out of this game with with uh, with the win, so credit to them. And you know, it's a very good win against a very good Western Conference team. There are just certain teams that I think the Kings match up well against, and OKC is one of them because they're not a very like big physical team. They're a very versatile team, but it's also a team that does not is not all that physical basically. And the Kings do thrive in those situations, so. You know, good win against an, a very good, again, a very good uh, Western Conference contender. Their next game will be against the Jazz, and hopefully, like, the Kings can kind of keep up this momentum and just kind of wash the taste out of our mouths of just some of the bad bad basketball that we've seen in some of their losses. <clears throat> you know, just build up build up their confidence a little bit, and hopefully, like, you know, Herter and Barnes can kind of get back on track. But, you know, good to see that the Kings um, were able to kind of get back on track. And, uh, yeah, um, that's all I have for this game. So I have some quick things to go over before I call this an episode. So uh, just some news uh, kind of surrounding the Kings and some around the league as well. So uh, Mark Spears says uh, Keldon Johnson is a name to watch at the trade deadline. Um, Kings fans were, you know, you know kind of interested. I'm not the biggest fan of Kelvin Johnson. I thought he was very unimpressive when I saw when I watched him against the Spurs. Uh, let me just pull up his stats really quickly. But like he's a like I I read from uh Sackdown Baby Giraffe uh what's his name Tim Maxwell like he was saying like oh I would give up picks for him like really I, I, he's not a guy I'm again I'm not interested in in him at all I just. I don't think he's a very spectacular player. I don't think he's a very good player at all. He's not really a great shooter. And he's he's a solid defender, but like I'm not giving up picks for the guy. I just don't think he's good enough to warrant that. Uh, and to and let me just check, maybe check, uh, should I check their advanced stats? Let me see. 
Yeah, I'm not going to bother, but his stats are very kind of similar to that of uh, Harrison, although he does rebound well, so maybe that is something to look at. So, like, he would he would probably be an upgrade over Harrison, but I, I, I'm not a fan. I just think I think he's not a very good shooter. He's not exactly a great defender. He is big, and he is pretty long, but that's about it. He, I feel like he's much more... Wow, he's listed at 6'5"? He looks way better, bigger than that. Huh. That's interesting. That's way smaller. I thought he was like a 6'9 guy. I didn't measure him wrong. Interesting. Um, either way, um, that's an eye, that's a guy to keep an eye on during the trade deadline. Maybe another option. Like my like most ideal trade where you don't probably have to give up Keegan or Malik would probably be Kyle Kuzma. Like Keldon Johnson doesn't move much of the needle for me, and I, I just don't think you give up picks for for him. So that's kind of my thoughts on on Keldon Johnson. Uh, Kings sign a uh, JTA Juan Toscano Anderson to a one year deal, and uh, from just reading some tweets, apparently it is a it, uh, the rumor is is the is that he is uh, is that it is a non guaranteed. Uh, basically, he's going to take the final. Ro- I think the Kings. I think the Kings' final roster spot for the time being. Interesting signing. He, it's clearly. It's clearly. Well, a lot of it is because he used to play for the Warriors, and he was very good. Like during their, uh, during their championship run, at least in the regular season, didn't, didn't play much in the, uh, in the in the playoffs. But he's a he's a great. He's a good system player. He understands how to play kind of that style of the Warrior style of basketball. And just playing that role player where, you know, a guy that plays defense, a guy that knows how to pass and just knows how to play the right way in that system. So he's a smart guy. And, you know, and that, and from what I've seen, just an absolutely, like, terrific locker room presence. Like, you know, Draymond, Steph, like, they they loved this guy when he was at, at Golden State. The only thing is he is he's not really a shooter. And he's not he's just not much of an offensive player. He, he, can, pa- he can pass pretty well, but... When you can't shoot and you're just not much of a threat to score, it's, it's tough for me to see him like be able to find too big of a role here. Maybe it is just one of those things where he's just going to be a guy that's like a like a great locker room presence. And you know, I, I think I think he'll be fine. It's a, it's a fine signing. I I do I do really like JTA, and you know, he's just a great vibe. You know, there, there's no there's no uh, there's no harm in signing him, in my opinion. Um, just. You know, add another guy, and in case like you know your wing, your wings just aren't getting it done. Like that's another guy with some size. I think he's like only six six, but he is like kind of big, and he is a defensive minded guy. So I, I wonder if he's going to be able to get minutes uh, uh, on this roster. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, the last piece of Kings news: uh, the Keegan, the Keegan Murray chant has been added to two K fourteen. I listened to it. It's not very good, but it it is now in the game. So good for that. I'm also glad they fixed the shot because I had 2K13. And at least when I was playing, they did not update Keegan's shot. It was a disgusting like form. But uh, it looks like they did fix it in 2K14. So good good on them for doing that. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, one little piece of news. And let's uh, quickly end it on this. <laughs> I've been ha- I've been getting a lot of this uh, on my Twitter feed, the Stephen A. Show, where he just basically just takes questions from Twitter and like it's it ranges from just about everything. Like per- there's a lot of random questions, like life advice, uh, dating advice, uh, and just really random stuff. And 
Look, I'm not the biggest fan of Stephen A's uh, basketball analysis. I don't think he's good at all for the most part. He, he's a performer. And the reason why I like the Stephen A, the Stephen A show is that he, it's, he's so performative that if you just give him a topic to just kind of just go off on, it is truly one of the most amazing things that I, that I love just listening to. You know... <laughs> The way he talks, the way he builds matches. Well, not builds matches. He he he's so good at just being able to present, like by speaking. The, his speaking tone, his his uh, like I guess auditory levels. The way he's able to build anticipation with his voice, his tone, and his delivery is so masterful. It's always it always goes like this. So. You wanna you wanna ask me about dating this girl? That's my that's gonna be or like this girl. That's my friend's sister. She she's like you and you and her both vibe, and you and her really enjoy each other. But I can't do you can't do that to your best friend because why? Like it's it's an incredible just art form and how he's able to build anticipation with a low voice and then it and then it spikes and then it goes down again to start building up the anticipation it really is like the way i like to describe it is like when when you watch a wrestling match you have the build like roman reigns is really good like it, it's almost like a roman reigns match where you slowly build towards you know toward you slowly build towards, you know, a comeback, but like it keeps going up, it keeps going down. Like then, then it build, then it builds a little bit of hope for the baby face to come back, and then it just squashes, and then it builds it up again, and then it's just, it's just the way he's able to kind of control the pace of just his oral presentation. It's so masterful, and that's what I like Stephen A. for. And that's what you. And I think that's how you should enjoy Stephen. His basketball analysis is, is is not great. His sports analysis overall, I don't think is great. He's not one of those kinds of guys that's going to break down the X's and O's. Like Lord have mercy, I will never talk. I never want to hear about triple pitches from him, nor will he ever talk about it. But it's the art form of the presentation and the entertainment that I get from a guy like Stephen. So I just want to quickly go over that. It's become one of my new favorite things of just him take him taking these questions from Twitter and just like using his performance performative skills to just entertain me to the absolute max so just a quick little thing a quick little thought to just close the show on i guess a funny note uh so because that's all i have so hopefully you enjoyed uh this little quick solo episode and uh hopefully fong will be back soon uh hopefully you enjoyed this episode then i'll catch you guys on the next one